0: So today we are at week three, that shouldn't be so hard, Um, of our series um, Job, Job's, looking at Steve Jobs and Job. We've looked at the innovative side of the message, Um, we've looked last week at brick, all about when life smashes you in the head with a brick, don't lose faith. Uh, Jody hit me really hard I nearly did lose faith Faith as well as consciousness um, the, the first hit Man Live Like the one later on That we filmed Was so tame But she literally ran at me And gave me the one bang uh, In the middle <laughs> of that talk I was like That was not what we talked about Like She really wanted to Like one bang It was like Super Saiyan So um, That was last week This week What we're talking about Is we're talking about noise We're talking about noise So Steve Jobs Quote for today your time is limited, so don't waste it living someone else's life. Don't let the noise of others' opinions drown out your own inner voice. And most important, have the courage to follow your heart and intuition. Banging quote on so many levels. If we just take that, like that could be a psalm. I'm not even, I'm, I'm even guessing. You could be like, your time is limited. Sila. Don't waste it living someone else's life. Sila. Don't let the noise of others' opinions drown out your own voice. Sila. And most important, have courage to follow your heart and intuition. I think those are some, that's like a really big quote from Steve Jobs, but actually what we're going to find out with Job is actually that fits better than um, I realized when I first was captivated by that quote. I was flicking through some of these Steve Jobs quotes when it came to looking at the series and planning it out and seeing which ones mapped out with um, um, Job's journey. And this one just leapt out at me. So today what we're going to be doing is we're going to be looking at the things that Job's friends said to him. So, last week we talked about his friends arriving on the scene and they spent seven days in silence, just sitting with him, chilling with him, and that's a great thing that we should all do. And there was a few points that I kind of challenged us to do. I attempted to do it this week. I got in touch with three different people I knew that were really hurting and um, tried to kind of re-engage, reconnect and be there for them. And some of it went well, some of it didn't go too well, but you know, gave it a go and that's what it's all about. And so this part is they've no longer stayed silent. They've done their seven days silence. I wish at this point they would stay silent for another seven days because they're going to say some things. And the things they're going to say, some of them are going to be good and some of them are going to be really, really whack. And we're going to look at three things that they say. So the first thing they say is, well, not the first, but the first thing we're looking at, they said, you have been a pillar for many who've gone through troubles. Job, man, you've been a pillar for so many people. And, and people always start with that. They start with that, 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 what looks like a high five and they're about to slap you in the face. And this guy is starting with a high five. You have been a pillar to so many people, Job. Pow, but think now. Who is upright that has perished? So he starts off, you have been a pillar to so many people through these troubles. And he's kind of like saying, I'm here to be the pillar for you, Job and you're suffering in your trial for your wrongdoing and he's pointing at him who has perished that's upright think Job just think for a second think of a name name me someone Job who's perished who was upright who was blameless who was doing the right thing so the summary of this ideology and you see it all the time with a lot of Christians a lot of churches whenever there is like a natural disaster somewhere in the world all the, the, the all the naysayers come out and they're all like, God sends calamity on sinners. It is the disgusting pin- sins of the people of Nepal that this has happened. East Africa. Oh, this, this drought, everything they're going through, it's their it's sins. It's, it's da, da, da. Whenever there's like, I haven't heard anyone say that about East Africa, by the way. But whenever there is a disaster like a hurricane or earthquake or whatever, people start talking about that. And then there's always, there's always one. Remember Sodom and Gomorrah. That is it. You always hear that bar. And there's always a preacher who gets in the media somewhere in America. Who that's what he says. Well, we have to remember Sodom and Gomorrah, you know, what happened there, and then boom, they got moved to, and that's what I'm talking about. And I'm just saying this looks a bit like that. And they kind of talk about that kind of stuff. The only problem is, you see, when we look at this book of Job, is we see Job's story like that, and we can look at Job, how they look at Job, and go, like, you know what? Job, remember Sodom and Gomorrah. Job, you know, you know, think who is upright that that perishes hmm, think about that, Job. Just let that sink in for a second. And we can do that to someone like Job. And we know from reading the book, we have this theatrical part at the beginning where we see Satan coming twice before God and accusing Job, even though he's blameless and upright and God says he's blameless and upright and this bad stuff happens to him. And so whenever someone comes into those kind of situations, I also want to challenge us if we've been that guy that said that before, when someone's going through hurt and going through pain, that sometimes, you know, those bars are not the bars to be dropping at that moment. They're not the thing to really be saved. So when someone comes to me and says like, remember Sodom? I'm like, remember Job? Remember Job? Where a load of guys, three trolls on Twitter, hounded him for days on end with their ideologies and their their theologies of why he was suffering and why he was going through this. Yeah, remember Job? Before you stepped to me about, things are tough in my life right now. Things are a bit hard. Why are you really walking in God's will for your life? I don't know. Was Jesus when they crucified him? Let me know. I'll let your boy, Job. Yeah, man, that looked sweet what he went through. Like people remember something more. yeah, cool. Chill. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. Just remember Job for a second before we move into that. And then these guys come and they have something else. They go, God will not reject a blameless person. Job, like it's one thing that like this has happened to you, but you're kind of on your ones about now. Like You're kind of moving through this. It's been a while now, Job. God doesn't seem to be doing anything. You look a bit isolated. You look like you're a bit on your own. I don't think God's really with you in this, Job. I don't think he's really there with you because God doesn't reject a blameless person. So even if a blameless person goes through something... The idea is that God's there straight in the mix and everything's okay and it's like this big parachute that puffs out over you, Um, this spiritual, nice feeling, warm, fuzzy thing and you float down gently to the ground instead of hitting it in your impending doom. And Job spends a lot of time trying to justify himself to these guys. He spends a lot of time, a lot of energy trying to justify himself to these guys and it's great. This is a beautiful thing because we have this right here in the Bible, this conversation, they say a lot of stuff. Job says a lot of stuff. I'm picking out the key ones that I want to talk about. But these huge conversations, these huge dialogues, and we can learn wonderful things from it. Like, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. When people, when, like, when someone throws something out like that, like, man, like, let go of the retribution. You don't need to justify yourself. Don't justify yourself to people don't do it, don't try to justify yourself to buffoons. They're buffoons. There's no point. If you know what they're saying isn't true, don't spend your life trying to get them to see it your way. They're a buffoon. They're never going to see it your way. They don't know the whole picture, yet they're talking like they know the whole picture. And sometimes we spend so much energy, like, geez, you know what it is? It's a simple post on Facebook and everyone gets caught up in this thing. Is it the nanny? Is it his wife? We already know it's his wife, but people are still talking about, oh, I don't know, could be the nanny. And you're just like, oh man, it's it's buffoonery. And then the people are, like, really upset and like, oh, you're a racist. It's like, oh, I don't know. The way she skidded in that room looked like her job depended on it. I'm, not, I'm just saying. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like, you know what I mean? And, 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 and then he, he doesn't turn around and go, honey, what are you doing? He, he, he looks like someone's getting fired. I'm not going to lie. his face, man. He looks vexed. Like, you know what I mean? But people are going on and on about this scenario. It's their married couple. Fantastic. Wonderful. We know the truth. Don't you all feel liberated? You know what I mean? I, I feel like my whole life has changed when, when I, I realized and, and found this out. Like, this is brilliant but people go on and on about this stuff and people are still arguing on- online Keyboard warriors, and they're still fighting about this stuff and it's like jeez man don't try to justify yourself, yourself to buffoons I know it is so hard people have called me the antichrist starting this church, doing church differently oh my gosh, I've had so many people I've had people set up anonymous accounts on Twitter to like have a go at me and it's just like props, you must be living the dream right now <laughs> This new anonymous account that I can just send you a few messages. Man, that must feel so good that you are so spiritually enlightened, you need an anonymous account to hold me to account. Well, who's holding your anonymous account to account? You know what I mean? It just gets stupid. But I look at it and I go, You're holding me to account with an anonymous account. You're a buffoon. I'm not tweeting you back. I'm not tweeting you back. You've got no followers. I've got a few followers. I'm not letting my few followers see your buffoonery. Like, man, I remember a few years back, like, Governor B was, like, having this discussion with someone online, and it was going back and forth, and, I, and the governor replied to them, and I, they were saying stuff to him, and he replied. And I was like, what are you doing? You've got tens of thousands of followers. They've got, like, 25 or 200. When they were tweeting, no one cared. When you tweeted, everyone cared. The truth, Big Gospel and Saints did the same thing. Someone's tweeting this stuff at him and it catches you because you want to justify yourself you want to justify yourself don't do it I was listening to Ed Young Um, I was watching the C3 conference this year live and there was Stephen Furtick up there and people said so many things about him and he was on the phone to Ed Young and he was saying openly sharing on the stage saying how he was going "Ed, Ed if I could just say this if I could just get them to see it this way if they could just understand it they'd appreciate what I'm trying to do and they'd just they'd lay off and they'd, they'd realise they don't need to keep stoning me they don't need to keep gunning me and Ed is on the phone just going who cares it doesn't matter Stephen it doesn't matter but, but Ed Stephen it doesn't matter Stephen it doesn't matter that's what he's saying Stephen it doesn't matter Stephen it doesn't matter Stephen it doesn't matter he's just shutting it down and Ed two years before that I saw him sharing about the stuff he gets on, on Twitter and on Facebook the abuse he gets Like, you look like Mr. Potato Head, stuff like that. You know what I mean? He gets all this stuff, stuff about, oh, you look like you've had so much plastic surgery, all these kind of things from these Christians that just maybe don't like his preaching. I think it's pretty good. But they're gunning for this guy. And you just have to be like, who cares? When people are saying things to you, when people are attacking you, when people in your workplace are saying stuff about you, you don't need to justify yourself. You know who you are. You know how you carry yourself. And you know the big picture They don't know anything And they're talking about you They're saying things If it's not happening to you right now Fantastic But it is so, so hard I've had someone else say to me That um, they wanted me to know The specifics Because often we say The saying as a Christian Is like I'm in the world But not of it They wanted me to know That I'm of the world Not in it I'm kind of thinking Well, surely I'd be both Because I'm technically here And I'm Yeah, whatever I get stuff like that And I've had it a lot I've had it before Doing this church i had it doing Being in the gospel music industry um, Having a Christian rap artist I was of the devil Because rap is not of God And just stupidity And you just have to go Like you're a buffoon You don't say it to them bend in your head you go You're a buffoon I am not going to have This conversation with you I'm not going to entertain it That's it It's shut down And you have to walk on with it And um, you have to peel away From the appeal The appeal to justify yourself Is so strong but what you end up being is you end up being like a sticker on the back of a car window. You're just stuck to this discussion and you can't do anything about it. So as soon as they go for you, you just gotta peel away. You gotta peel away. Because some people, they're just never gonna stop and it's like they're, it's like they're paid to do it full time. I don't know where they get the time to do it, but they just consistently wanna harass people or have a go at people. And you gotta peel away from it. Job had three friends. At this moment in time, they're looking and they've got a snapshot of what's going on. And they're like, these are the reasons why you're in this place. This is the reason. Because you've got to think, Job, God will not reject a blameless person. And you look pretty rejected right now. That's what you need when you're a Job and you're getting kicked to the gutter. That's what you need right now. Three great friends to come around and say stuff like that. We've got to peel away from the appeal. The why, we touched on this, the why is elusive. We touched on this last week. The why is elusive. So often when we're suffering and we're in pain and a tragedy has happened to us or a tragedy has happened to a community or a society, the why is elusive. So we always want the why. Why is this happening to me? And um, I remember listening to Rob Bell a live event talk about this and it was hilarious because... They were talking about like, a natural, dis- natural disaster live on TV and they got Pastor Joel Osteen to kind of come on and talk about suffering and God. And um, Rob like, was dying inside because he found it absolutely hilarious because what happened was they asked him about the situation, what was going on, and where is God in the midst of it because the whole God and suffering thing. And Pastor Joel Osteen, being Pastor Joel Osteen, just said, well, I don't know about that, but I just trust God. And then Rob was watching TV and he's just like, oh dear God man tell me you're not scraping the bottom of the bucket this is not all you have to say on human suffering and God right about now he's like I don't know I just trust God and you know what the amazing thing about Joel Osteen is see Rob didn't kind of appreciate that but actually how Pastor Joel Osteen's being there is exactly how you should be in a one-to-one conversation when you're talking to the nation and it's not a personal thing they want a bit more than I don't know and just trust God but when you're sitting in a one-to-one that is the perfect thing to say to someone because what these guys are doing is they're sitting with Job and they're going well actually Joe, let me tell you about your problem and the pain and the suffering you're going through you know those kids you just lost the business you just lost and your body's covered in sores and your skin is like sticking to you in this weird way let me tell you about why that's happening and you're sitting there and you're like are you for realsies It doesn't work. What happens is and what should happen and this is why Pastor Joel is actually so gifted in his particular area. He has this kind of like TV ministry and when he speaks at the end it says um, go to my website to see a local church that I think you should go to or I'm sending you to and what they do is they go to the website they, they type in their postcode and they see a partner church that's partnered and then they go to it and Zach is a partner with Joel Osteen's Ministries and he tells me the signups, that's one of the best things ever. He says, we get guests all the time. I do my church, I do service, I preach, and then at the end I'm chatting to these new new people. And the guy will say to me, Pastor Joel told me to come to your church. And Zach's like, Really? You know Pastor Joel? And then it turns out they've watched him on TV. But he's so good at talking to you as if it's like one-to-one, like it's just you and him. That they're like, Pastor Joel has told me. And so they go and they rock up like he's actually sent them. And it's like, he hasn't sent them. They've just watched him on TV. And that's why, in that interview, like for someone like Rob Bell, who's a, a different kind of thinker, like an intellectual, he's like, oh dear God, I really wanted something with meaning. But actually, when someone's hurting and they're going through the pain, what they want is someone to sit next to them and be like, not I have all the answers and not this is because of your sin and because of some stupid thing you've done or whatever. They just want you to sit there and they just want to go, you know what, man, I don't get it. I don't. To know, but I know that in my hurts, I've just trusted God. It hasn't been easy, I've just trusted Him, and He's always pulled me through. They don't want you explaining everything away. And so what he did there was brilliant. But when it comes to a media opportunity, it's not so great. So what we need to do is we need to appreciate the why is elusive. When we're suffering, the why is elusive. You're not going to get a why. You're not going to get a hold on to it. With Job, we see the why in the framework of the conversation about what takes place in the heavens between God and Satan. Job doesn't get that. He's just, what the flip? What is going on? And he just chooses to worship God. You and I don't get to know the why. And it will be elusive probably for our entire lives on this earth. What we have to do is we have to learn to embrace the mystery. We have to embrace the mystery. If you want everything to be solved in your life and you don't want to live in the embrace of mystery nothing's ever really going to work for you it's never going to work because some things don't just get answered some things don't just fit into place some things never fit in place some things never you get the answer for you've got to learn to just embrace the mystery I have no idea why I got hit in the face last week with a brick but I'm going Im- I'm to embrace the mystery and the key thing is doing that for yourself is a big thing but actually learning to do that for someone else is one of the greatest pastoral gifts any human being can get Where you can hear someone's pain And you don't like Job's friends Need to say something to them And tell them what to do And tell them where to go And tell them a checklist of to-do lists And it'll all be okay No You need to learn to embrace the mystery of them Embrace the mystery not just for yourself That is the easier thing But embrace it that someone else is living in the mystery And that when you encounter someone talking about their pain Automatically turn yourself Oh, they're living in mystery they're living in mystery let's just embrace that and let's help them embrace that and it will help them deal and process their pain so much better than you trying to tell them this is my theology on pain and suffering no one wants that trusting God in the face of anguish only comes when you learn to embrace the mystery the third thing that they say to Job oh my word the third thing put away your sin Job put away your sin just put it away, Job. And uh, by the way, you know, even... And then they go this way. They go, even if you kind of have sinned and you don't really know about it, Job, just, just put that away. And you know what? Things will go better and back to how they were. Actually, things will shine even brighter than before, Job, if you just put away your sin, Job. If you just put it away. And then literally Job's response in the... In the well, what our response should be, our response should be, no doubt, don't speak. I know what you're saying, so please stop explaining. Don't tell me because it hurts. Don't speak. I know what you're thinking, and I don't need your reasons. Don't tell me because it hurts. And if you're brave enough to sing it at them, fantastic. If someone's causing me pain, I will sing it at them because my singing of it will cause them more pain than the pain they are causing me. There comes a point when when people start telling you things like that, you just have to sing No Doubt, don't speak. I know what you're thinking, I know your reasoning. I don't want your thinking, I don't want your reasoning. Do one, I don't need it. I don't understand what's happening, I honestly don't. I can't say to you it's because of this X, Y, Z that I am in this mess right now. I am just here. And if you wanna sit with me here, fantastic. If you wanna pray with me here, fantastic. But if you wanna tell me about myself, it's just not gonna work. And that's what happens with Job and his three Twitter trolls. But there is an amazing response from Job which I kind of want to end and finish on today by, by thinking about a few different thoughts. So everything they've said, I can't say to you this morning that what they've said is essentially wrong because there is a truth that when calamity happens, the Bible says in certain occasions it has been attributed to sin. So I'm not saying that bad things don't happen because of sin. They totally do. I'm saying calamities and bad things don't always happen because of sin and I'm saying you don't need to know and you don't need to be in conversation telling people what you think you know when you don't know that's what I'm saying with the overall uh, overall overarching of this message everything they say to Job is common sense it's common sense now common sense is a bit like is a bit like this plant pot because this plant can only really grow to the size of the pot beyond that it can't it's like a shock it can grow to the size of the tank it won't keep growing after that and you and I can only grow to the space that we're in like for us as a church like the reason we didn't grow was my stupidity we stayed in the front area as soon as we moved here we grew straight away it's, it's hilarious it's just changing the container common sense we praise common sense we go oh man this guy's just got so much common sense and when someone says something that's common sense we all like approve it like yeah that's amazing no it's not it's common it's common sense the reason why so many immigrants are more entrepreneurial than people who live natives in a a country are because they don't have common sense they haven't grown up with this affiliation with everyone else understanding and holding the same values they see things differently so when they come in they see where the edges and the niches are within the market and the environment around them and so they're more they're more entrepreneurial and that's a fact they just are now, everyone in this story that's had a response or had something to say so far, all of them have spoken in the realm of common sense. Come on, Job, man. Just think. Who has ever perished that was upright with God? Just think about it, Job. Oh, come on, Job. Put away your sin. We know that as a man, so, so shall he reap. Come on, Job. Just be real for a second, Job. Just be honest about this for a second. Come on, we all know this. It's common sense. But Job has something precious. He has something called uncommon sense. He has something uncommon sense. He sees the whole situation completely differently. He doesn't know why, but there's something inside him that is disagreeing with this situation and says, no, this isn't right, this isn't how it is. Your time is limited, so don't waste it living someone else's life. Don't let the noise of others' opinions drown out your own inner voice. And most important, have the courage to follow your heart's intuition. Everyone is telling Job, Job, come on, be real, man, this isn't how it is. This isn't what's going on. Just face the facts. Job is like, no, I'm telling you, I know what my skin is like. I can see it and I know what you're thinking. I know you've seen my kids have died and I know what you're thinking. I know my business has gone bust, and I know what you're thinking. I know my wife is telling me to curse God and die. I know what you're thinking, but it is not what you're thinking. There's something more going on, and I don't know what it is, but there's something more going on in this situation. And so then Job comes to chapter 19, and what Job does is he doesn't allow his circumstances to obscure his view of who God is. So everything around his life is telling him this is who God is, no Job's going this isn't who God is God is more than this he doesn't allow what's happening the pain and the suffering to obscure his view of God so in Job chapter 19 so verse 20 he says my bones stick to my skin and to my flesh I have escaped by the skin of my teeth have mercy on me have mercy on me oh you my friends for the hand of God has touched me why do you like God pursue me why are you not satisfied with my flesh look at me look at the price that I'm paying oh that my words were written guess what Job they kind of are oh that they were inscribed in a book as again Oh that an iron pen would lead And lead They were engraved in rock forever They've kind of gone digital Uh, For now I know For now I For I know My redeemer Lives For I know my Redeemer lives, and at last he will stand upon the dust. He will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been destroyed, yet without my flesh, I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold and not another. He's basically saying, I've wanted this retribution, and I just know, I know I'm going to get my retribution. I know that it's coming. I may never see it in my life. I may die, and I may be without my body, without my flesh, but I know that I'm justified, and I know that in this I haven't done these things, and I know that my Redeemer lives. I know that he lives. And something inside of Job is just telling him that one day his Redeemer is going to walk on the very dust that he's walking on. And these guys are sitting there in a time that is chronologically the oldest point in the Bible of the stories before Genesis is recorded as a book. This story He's recorded as being written at an older time. So one of the oldest points in the entire Bible uh, of the of the kind of the, the, the written narrative, there is this guy just crying out with something inside of him, this uncommon knowledge that says there there is a redeemer and he is gonna walk. On, 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 this, on this dirt He's going to walk on this dust And the idea in Genesis is that we're made from the dirt And the earth is called dirt And Adam is called dirt man That's what he translates as Adam is translated as dirt man um, A man made from the dirt And he's saying I know my redeemer is going to become flesh and blood And I know he's going to walk on this ground And I know that at the last day he's going to vindicate me That's what Job's saying At the last he shall stand upon the earth I know my Redeemer lives. I know everything in his life is obscuring his vision of who God is. Everything in his life is there to make him curse God. And Job sees beyond his situation. He sees beyond his pain. He sees beyond his heartache. And he sees that God is his his Redeemer. Your circumstances may tell you that Jesus is dead. They may try to obscure your vision of who God is. Your pain may be obscuring your vision of who God is. The things you've done in your past may be obscuring your view of who God is. And you've got this common wisdom. You've got this common knowledge. You've got common sense that tells you this is who God is because look at what has happened in my life. But I want to tell you there's uncommon sense that God has for you. There's uncommon sense stepping out of the particular mold, seeing past your circumstances that says regardless of what I've done, regardless of what has been done to me, I know my redeemer lives i know he walked he shall walk upon the earth i know is what job is saying what he doesn't realize and what you and i have as a vantage point is we stand at a point in the linear timeline that shows that job was right because the bible says that in the beginning was the word the word was god the Word was with god the word became flesh and blood and dwelt among us on the earth and talks about him in one john being jesus the christ and paul puts it this way he says in philippians that um He was in the form of God, but did not regard equality of God something to be grasped or something to keep hold of. But he emptied himself to the point of being a servant, being found in the image of a man and made himself as a servant. Even to the point of death, even death on a cross, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess to the glory of God the Father. Your circumstances will try to tell you that Jesus is dead. They will try to obscure your vision of who God is in the same way that Pilate's seal on the front of the tombstone tried to obscure the view of the people that Jesus is gone, that Jesus is finished, that it is over, that it is dead. But actually I know my Redeemer lives. I know there's some uncommon sense screaming inside of me that tell me that my Redeemer lives. There's something inside of me this morning and I pray that it will get inside of you, that Jesus lives, that he has not died in a tomb. The tomb is empty, Pilate's seal, who could move it? Nobody but go check in the grave, there's no body, there's nothing there, it's empty, Jesus is gone, it is vacated, and he, the Bible says, ever lives at the right hand seat of the Father in heaven, as intercession for you, and that's what this story is about, Satan comes to accuse Job, and God says, have you considered my servant, he comes to accuse God about the, the way that the world is and um, God says if you consider Job and that's what it's all about and then Jesus says to Peter as we talked about the other week he says hey Peter Satan has requested to sift you like wheat but I have prayed for you and Jesus now stands as the intercession that Job was crying out for. I just know there's someone out there that's going to vindicate me. I know my Redeemer lives and I know he's going to stand on the last day and he is going to say that I did not do this and that he is here. And you know what? Jesus is going to stand on the last day for you and for me in our situation. He's going to declare you righteous. He's going to declare me righteous, not because of anything we've done, but he's done it for us. And he gives that as a free gift this morning. I just want you to know, don't allow anything in your life to obscure your vision of God. Don't allow any situation or circumstance to hinder the view that God has for you because the view he has for you is that he lives. Your Redeemer, your Redeemer, not someone else's, your Redeemer in your situation with your sin, with your life, with your pain, with your hurts, with your failure. Your Redeemer lives. Your Redeemer lives not just for you in the areas where you've got it wrong, but he lives in the areas that other people have done wrong to you. Your Redeemer, your Vindicator, that thing that happened to you that was done to you, that hurts you, that causes you pain, your Redeemer lives He knows And He stands outside of it You don't have a why right now But all you need to know is He lives And He forever lives In intercession Standing before the Father Standing Back in you On every single round I'm just going to pray for us And that will be the, the end for this week Father God Today we're talking all about noise And the devil's strategy is If he creates enough noise We won't see you clearly anymore If he can just create enough hype, we'll stop looking at you. If he could just create enough noise, we'll curse you. If he could just create enough noise, we'll listen and we'll jump away from your protection and who you are for us. Father God, but there is this still, small voice inside of us that is uncommon sense that says I'm not going to waste my life living any other way. I'm not going to waste my life living for someone else's ideologies or theologies. I'm going to live my life for you, God. And there is something inside of me that says that you are my Redeemer and you live today. You live today and you go beyond anything I understand or anything I could dream or imagine and that I'm going to look and gaze upon you and not allow my circumstance, my failure, my sin and the things that have happened to me that I don't understand, that I don't have the why for. And I'm going to live in the mystery, embracing them, trusting that my Redeemer lives on the last day you will stand. Though my flesh be gone, I will see you and you will stand and you will vindicate us. Father God, I pray for us that we would be a people that sit with people, not flowing out babble about why they're suffering, but will sit with them pointing to the faith that we have, that we've embraced the mystery, that we look to you and trust you knowing my Redeemer lives. He has risen from the grave. And just as he has risen, I will rise from the ashes of my pain and my torment and my sin and my failure. And I will be like him. Father, would you be with us this week? Would you empower us, Lord, in Jesus' name? Amen.